the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, there's little wonder that the disciples were uh, surprised and perplexed when they returned from the town to find Jesus talking with this woman. They'd already learned that Jesus was not bound by traditions and prejudices. And, And when he did something, he always had a good reason for doing so. If you're anything like me, you've asked a number of times in your life, Lord, what are you doing here? Yes, I understand that you're in control, but I just can't figure it out. And that's where the disciples were as uh, Jesus stood before the woman at the well and literally ministered to her, which was uh, quite foreign to them. Continuing today in the uh, fourth chapter of the book of John is Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher on this, another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. There's also a very important lesson for the disciples to learn here, because although the gospel would be presented first to the Jews, it was intended for the entire world. And that was something that the Jewish people really, some of them had a real problem with. Uh, They thought that God's salvation was only for the Jews. And so uh, Jonah is an example of someone who God came to and said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to, to tell them that if they don't change... Uh, judgment is coming. And so what did Jonah do? He got on a boat going the other direction, right? Because he didn't want to go into Nineveh and tell them God's judgment was coming because if they changed their ways, then God would show mercy towards them. And as far as he was concerned, they didn't deserve any of God's mercy. And he would prefer that they didn't get it. So like Jonah, the disciples had to recognize that the, good, the gospel is for everybody. Now, the woman, it says here, left her water pot at the, uh, at, the, uh, at the well. And the fact that she did so gives us a clue to two things. Number one, she was probably in a hurry, and that was going to slow her down, so she just left it behind. But secondly, it also indicates that she had every intention of coming back. She wanted to spend more time with Jesus and get better acquainted with Him. And uh, thirdly, she may have left the water pot there because... She wanted to make sure that Jesus and his disciples had enough water. Do you notice that one of the first instincts this Samaritan woman had when she met Jesus was to share her discovery? Uh, There's two steps in the life of every Christian. One is to discover Jesus Christ, and then the second one is to share Jesus Christ with others. You notice as well that this conversation that she had with Jesus this relationship that she had with Jesus removed all of the guilt and the shame. The reason that she was there in the middle of the day was because she was ashamed of what people thought of her because of her past. But what should she do as soon as she came to Jesus and and received Him as Lord and Savior? She went right back into town and she announced the things that she had previously been ashamed to talk about. She said, You know what I was. Look at what I was. And look at what I am now. Look at what Jesus has done for me. 
Once a person discovers Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, the things that used to bring them shame are the things that they use as an opportunity to give glory to God. I once was this, but because of Jesus, I am now this. Now, she left her water jar and she went to the city and she spoke specifically to the men. Why would she speak to the men? Well, because in that society, that culture, women didn't have a lot of uh, influence. It was the men who had the influence. And so she went to the men and, and she said, come and see a man who told me all of the things that I've ever done. And this got their attention. They were, uh, and, and her zealousness was evidence that her conversion was genuine. She used wisdom and tact in addressing the men. It's lost upon us in the English translation, but in the Greek, the question, this is not the Christ, is it, is constructed in such a way it implies a negative answer, not a positive answer. It wasn't like she went in and she said, I have found the Christ. Now, why didn't she just go in and say, I have found the Christ, I have found the Savior, I have found the Messiah? Probably because, thinking who she was, her background, how she was known, the men would have responded immediately with laughing at her. You, the Messiah came to you, you got to be kidding. Lady, you got delusions of grandeur, you know. Uh, you know, they would have immediately dismissed her, her story, and walked away. But, but uh, she went to them and she used a great deal of wisdom. When we talk with people about Jesus, we need to also exercise wisdom and how we do that as well. Homer Kent explained the reason that she was so cautious and deliberate and wise in her approach. He writes, The woman immediately wanted to give testimony to others of what she had found, but she did so with the utmost tact. It it would have been unseemly, presumptuous, and probably ineffective for this woman to attempt to teach the men of the city regarding spiritual truth. Her background hardly qualified her to speak with authority on religious and spiritual matters. You know what I mean? Therefore, her statement to them was phrased in a deliberately cautious way so as to not arouse antagonism. In fact, the technique that she used really was to goad the men with their egos. Um, you know, it's as though the men would have said something like, you know, it's a good thing you came to us because you have such poor spiritual discernment. You know, we'll check this out and we'll let you know. It's a good thing you came to us. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now you notice that this conversation follows the same pattern as the conversation with the woman at the well and also with Nicodemus. Jesus says something and it's interpreted wrong. It's interpreted in a very literal fashion. He then restates it. He's speaking spiritually. It's again interpreted literally or in the physical sense. And then he goes on to, to describe and explain what he's really trying to communicate. Now, the disciples had left Jesus exhausted and hungry here. And, and when he didn't want to eat, it made him wonder if somebody else might have brought him food. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. So he, he responds to the confusion amongst the disciples by teaching them a spiritual truth. And he uses Moses' uh, statement found in Deuteronomy 8.3 as his foundation. He says, Moses wrote, Man does not live by bread alone, 
but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now that verse may sound familiar, and it should, because that's that's a verse that Jesus used when he was dialoguing with Satan during that temptation. That's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You know, one of the great uh, descriptions of the life of Jesus was his perfect submission to the will of God. In fact, he was the only person in all of history that was ever perfectly obedient to God's will. Time and again in, in this gospel, he is described as being God's man. There are two Greek words that the Gospel of John used to describe Jesus being sent from God. They are apostolane, which is used 17 times, and pimpane, which is used 27 times. So more than 44 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus is identified as being one sent by God. He was under God's orders. He was God's man. And Jesus recognized that. He spoke continually of wanting to do and doing the will of God. He said in chapter 6, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And in chapter 8, I always do what is pleasing to him. I always do what is pleasing to the Father. With us, our obedience to the Lord is kind of like spasmodic. Sometimes we're on the money, sometimes we're not. Not so with Jesus. He was always, always, always obedient to his heavenly Father. Verse 35, do not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. But here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Now, what Jesus is uh, quoting here is a proverb. There are four months, then comes the harvest. You see, the uh, Jews uh, were mostly farmers, and they had a six-fold division of the annual calendar. Each division lasted about two months. Uh, There was seed time when you prepared the land and you deposited the seeds. There was winter, spring, then harvest, then summer, and then there was another couple of months of extreme heat. And so what Jesus is saying here is it usually takes a minimum of four months between the time that you plant the seed and you harvest. But look up, for the harvest is ready for reaping now. What Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples was this sense of urgency that when it's time to harvest, it's time to harvest. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't be confused in the thing. It's not time for harvest when it's time for harvest. Jesus said, for in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Remember our study of 1 Corinthians where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. You know, there are many in, uh, along our, our path that have, sowed, have sown seeds into our lives. And there are others that have nurtured those seeds. They've watered those seeds. And then at some point, God's timing, when we're prepared, then there is somebody who has the opportunity to to reap. And at that point, then, we make a decision of putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What Jesus was saying is, there are others who have sown into the lives of these Samaritans. I'm giving you the opportunity to reap where you have not sown. He described the harvest as white. Now, Sychar is surrounded by uh, fields of corn, that the scholars indicate at that time were probably green. Uh, 
And uh, so why would he describe the harvest as white? Well, H.V. Morton has an interesting observation about this. He himself was sitting at the spot where Jacob's well is, and as he sat there, he saw people coming out of the village and starting to climb the hill. And they came out in batches of people, and they were all wearing white robes, and those white robes stood out in contrast to the land around them and the sky. And so it may have been at this very moment in our biblical narration that people started streaming out of the city to come and meet Jesus at the well. And they dressed in their Samaritan white garments is what Jesus was referring to when he said the harvest is, is white. They are white to harvest. Thank you for joining us on this another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and we're here each day at this same time. I hope you can join us, and I hope you'll let your friends know. If you'd like more information about the ministry or if you'd like to listen to any of the broadcasts again, you can go to the uh, website studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. Additional information about the church is on the website churchofthehighlands.org. That's churchofthehighlands.org. Join us again tomorrow as Pastor Layton wraps up this message and opens the Word of God in the book of John, and we study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.